Hey, this morning, I, I, I want you to stay there in Luke 1. And we're going to have some other passages up on the screen. Um, but before we get going this morning, I want you to think about this. Has there ever been a time, and I know it has, <laughs> has there ever been a time in your life where you have felt let down? Where you've just been crushed, maybe. Maybe somebody promised something with their words, but, but they didn't come through. And it just left you crushed. Maybe you've been promised that promotion at work and somebody else got it. Or maybe you thought you were promised that. Somebody else got it. It could be many different things, but, but think about that, that, that spot you were left in. How'd that make you feel? How'd that make you feel? I'm sure it let you down and didn't make that day really good or that week. That month, for some maybe longer, you've struggled with it. Well, I want you to know today that even though the words of man will fail, we fail each other, we do that. God's word will not. His promises are unfailing. In fact, this little nugget this week was encouraging to me, and I love it. In Joshua 21, verse 45 Joshua says, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made the house of Israel has failed. All came to pass. In Hebrews 10.23, the writer says, he who promised is faithful. That's who God is. He's the promise keeper. And today, as we continue the beginning pages of Luke this morning, I want us to see that. In this story, I want us to step back and see that God truly is a promise keeper. And he will not fail you. He will not fail you. As we look at this text this morning, I want us to think back by taking a step back. A step back from from the word of God and, and looking at it kind of in its whole counsel. And when you think about the Bible, what does it do? It starts with creation. It, it goes with a, a creative people, with the nation of Israel. And then you have the history of Israel. And as you kind of move on from there, you, you get uh, prophets thrown in. And then you get this, this history of Israel and the ups and the downs that they go through. And you see just the faithfulness of God all along the path. And then you get to this book called Malachi, right? And, and it, it stops. And what's interesting is if you look back in history, there, many call this period the 400 years of silence, where there was no prophetic word spoken. Now, for some of us, we can't really get our heads and hands and thoughts and hearts around that. We don't know what that would have been like with 400 years without any prophetic word, but it, it was like waiting in silence. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe it's in that, that waiting room, waiting on, on news from the doctor. Maybe it's, it's waiting next to a phone call that you're waiting for, and you're just waiting in silence. And that's how the people of God were. That's how the nation of Israel, that's where they found themselves, in silence. But what's so neat and amazing and cool about this morning is that we read this text, the silence is broken. That's what this text is. The silence is broken. 
And I want you to look, look at Luke 1, but I want you to look at this verse in verse 78. There's a lot of verses in this chapter. Verse 78, look at the end of what is spoken. This is spoken by Zacharias. This is John's dad, John the Baptist. And listen to what Zacharias declares. He says, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. I just want you to hear that. The sunrise, capital S, on high will visit us. Now I'm going to fill in some blanks this morning, but I just want you to hear who this sunrise is. It's Jesus Christ. And so there's been silence, but that silence is about to break. Angels have been scurrying, getting things ready, and now there's a word. And the sunrise is about to make a visit. That sunrise is Christ himself, and he's coming. Can you imagine hearing those words? Well, this morning, I want you to hear the story that breaks the silence. This long period of history, I want you to hear that story. And when we hear this this morning, I want you to hear these truths coming out. And this is how we're going to kind of wrap up our time is, is we're going to think about the promises of God for us. And the story relates to that. But I want you to hear this this morning, that our sovereign God in the unfolding of history is bringing about his purposes in line with his promises. For he is a promise keeper. I want you to hear that he made these promises long before this story He said in Malachi chapter four, verse two, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and you, the people of God, will skip about like calves from the stall. Now you hear that this morning, what that simply means is that there is a day coming where you will be redeemed with the coming of the Lord. The sun of righteousness is coming. And then Isaiah 40 Tells us this in verse three through five, a voice is calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. A declaration hundreds of years before this story today that guess what? The glory of God will be revealed. The sunrise make a visit and he's about to come he's about to come and so this morning the story breaks the silence but I want you to hear this that God is a promise keeper who fulfills his promises and his word will not return void and so here's the story all right here's what happens look at Luke 1 5 through 7 Scott read this and so here we have the setting these are the players And here they are, in verse five, listen to what was written by Luke. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments, requirements of the law, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. And so this is the story that breaks the silence. And the people at play here is Zacharias and Elizabeth, both with priestly heritage. Now Zacharias, his name literally means that Yahweh, God, remembers. He remembers. He remembers his promises. And so Zacharias is is a regular priest. 
There was about 8,000 of them in Palestine that day. And they would divide it in about 24 divisions. Each division had about 300 priests in them. And about twice a year for one week, they would be called up, all 300 of that division, to serve in the temple. And about 54 to 56 of them would be literally uh, by lot picked to go into the temple and perform priestly responsibilities and priestly duties. And so we're going to see in just a bit that happening. And so here's Zacharias, here's Elizabeth. Man, they're godly people. What that literally means is that they obeyed the Old Testament. They obeyed the law of God. They walked according to that. They're growing old in age, and their home is happy, but there's an element of sadness. There's an element of disappointment. They're barren. Elizabeth cannot have a child. Infertility is is heartbreaking. And no doubt, they felt that, the weight of that. And so, in the midst of this, though, God's going to meet them. Meet them right where their pain is at. But not just that pain, but even a greater need that they have. And so look at verse 8. As it continues, it happened that while he was performing, Zacharias, his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And so here's Zacharias. He's on duty. All right, His name gets called. He gets to go into the temple, and all these people are outside praying. And I want you to get a picture of this scene. This is a beautiful worship scene. People outside praying. The priests are inside doing the priestly duties, and, and they're lighting incense, and making sacrifices, giving offerings, all these things, praying on behalf of the people. This Wednesday, we're going to be praying from seven to eight. I want to encourage you to come, be a part. There's something beautiful about when God's people gather together to pray. Seven to eight, love to see you here Wednesday night. But what you see about Zacharias here is he's just simply doing his job. He's being responsible. He's being faithful. He goes into the temple and something happens. Look at verse 11. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Can you imagine this? Just going about his, his business. He, he does this twice a year. Uh, he's used to this. He's, he's older now. He's done this maybe a few times. And he's praying, and the angel of the Lord, God's messenger, startles him. Fear grips him. Now we're going to find out in verse 19, this is Gabriel. A little tidbit here that's important is Gabriel has not been on the scene for 500 years. The last time he appears in scripture is to Daniel. And Daniel, very similarly, like Zacharias, is startled by Gabriel's presence. And what's interesting is Daniel is making a sacrifice. It's the time of sacrifice. What's interesting here is Zacharias, the presence, the setting is the same. Don't think this is just by chance or by accident that Luke is writing this and showing that this is important. 
Because the sunrise is about to visit. The one who's going to make the ultimate sacrifice is about to come. That's the setting. That's the scene. And so Gabriel's presence is big. And so look at verse 13. Gabriel speaks. It says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for our, your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Wow. What? That's, that's, can you imagine? I'm praying, and I'm praying for this. I've been praying for this. I'll tell you what he was praying for in just a second, but I'm praying for this. And this day's different. An angel appears and tells me, you're going to get what you prayed for. Your prayer's been heard. So when you read this, you're thinking, oh, he, he was praying for a son, right? And, and he got him. He got John. He's going to get John. I, I don't know where that was on his prayer list. But as a priest on the behalf of Israel, probably not number one, right? Probably not number one. What's, what's he probably praying for? What would a priest probably been praying for on behalf of Israel that Israel would be redeemed, right? He's praying for the redemption of the people of Israel. That's what he's praying for. And, and so when Gabriel comes and says, your prayer's been answered, your prayer's been heard, he, he wants him to know, I, I've heard your prayer for the redemption of the people of Israel. What's amazing about this, and I, I hope this just, just, just makes you just go crazy inside with, with a lot of excitement, is this, that what he is saying is, I've an, I'm gonna answer your prayer. I've heard your prayer for the people of Israel for redemption. And what's so cool about this is your desire and heart for a son is going to be answered as well in that same prayer for the redemption of Israel because your son John is going to prepare the way for the sunrise to come. Wow. Can you imagine that? Now, he doesn't know all that yet, but that's what God's doing. And that's what the angel is saying. Look at verse 14. He's going to tell him about his boy that he's going to have. This is amazing. He says, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. John's. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, while uh, yet in his mother's womb. That's key. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so Gabriel tells Zacharias what his son's character and his ministry will look like. He'll be a Nazarite. You will see the external, but the external, I want you to hear this morning, will speak of what's on the inside. And this will come from what? The fullness of the Holy Spirit, even while he's in his mom's womb. That's amazing. Very prophetic, too, of what will happen to those who are born again. They will receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So what is Gabriel doing here? He was referring back to the promise made back by God through Malachi, where he spoke of John's ministry in Malachi 4, 5 through 6, where he says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming and the great and terrible day of the Lord. He'll restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. And so this is the last word of prophecy in the Old Testament, and Gabriel uses it here to break 
the silence, some 400 years, and he says that John will come in the spirit of Elijah, being the forerunner who will announce the coming Messiah, denounce sin, and call people to repentance. And as a result, his ministry will change homes and will change families because that's what the gospel does. It changes lives. And John is going to minister in that way before the coming of the Lord. And so look what happens. Zacharias hears this. Can you imagine this? And look at verse 18. It says, He said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am a man who is old. My wife is advanced in years. That's a nice way to put it. In verse 19, The angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, the angel says, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So what do we find out here? Zacharias doesn't believe it. (laughs) Unbelief. And then this is when Gabriel says, hey, this is who I am. (laughs) And I'm in the presence of God, and I'm sent by God to bring you this good news. That word, that phrase there, good news, is the word gospel, which you'll hear used throughout the New Testament. And he's got good news, not just for Zacharias, but for a people. Zacharias, for nine months, is going to bear the consequence of his unbelief. He's not going to be able to speak or say anything. And so this gets kind of fun. Look at verse 21. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. I love this. He finished his service. And then he went home. But before that, we got to address this. He comes out a little crazy, right? Can you imagine this? I mean, we were talking about this at the 9 a.m., and 9 a.m. suggested, that would be really cool. That happened to you, Jerry. This is what they said. <laughs> you, you could be the mute pastor, and you come up waving your arms and do things like this and do like this and do like this and do like this, and someone goes, oh, you just said Jesus, and Jesus rose again. He went to heaven, and he came back again. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's pretty short and pretty quick. We could do preaching charades, all right? And th- well, here's what that would do. You could go into your life groups, all right, and you could discuss, well, what do you think the pastor was saying today when he did this and did that and did that? That would make it lots of fun. And then we could come back next week and we could share about, hey, did you mean this or did you mean that? And then I'd have to return like this or like this. And, okay, so it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, he comes out and he does that and he's like that for nine months. I'm sure Elizabeth enjoyed that immensely. <laughs> immensely. What a story. Well, guess what? He goes home. Elizabeth conceives. And then if we really ramp it up, the end of chapter one, they give birth to a son. His name is John. When they talk about his name and how it comes about to declare that's his name, it is with great wonder, great wonder. And then as chapter one ramps up and finishes, Zacharias gets to speak. And when he does, there's some amazing words. Words of great prophecy, believing, yes, yes, 
what God is going to do through my boy is going to be something else. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord because the sunrise is about to visit us, Jesus. It's pretty special. But here's what I want you to see. I've heard the story, but here's what I want you to see in here is that God made a promise, and he did not fail. He was faithful. He was faithful. What does this mean for you and I? I want you to hear this morning, it means a lot. I want you to hear that he is a promise keeper. His promises carry us. They give us hope. They're fuel for our hope. I want you to hear that history isn't just going around and around and around and around and at some point you get off and that's just it. But I want you to hear that it's going somewhere. There's a destination. The destination is, in this text, the sunrise is coming. Yeah, our redemption's coming. But guys, there is a destination. Christ is going to return. He's going to come back one day. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for his people. He's got a plan for his people. They involve new heavens and new earth. That's our destiny. Now, there's a lot of history to be written in between. There's a lot of promises to be fulfilled before then. But I want you to hear this morning as we close. I I just want you to sit back. Just just think for a little bit or, or maybe listen for a little bit to some promises There's a promise that that God gave in Genesis, a great promise to Abraham. But what's amazing about this promise is this promise is for you and I this morning. And what's neat about this promise is what God promises here will impact every single one in here, impact everyone on this planet. I want you to hear in Genesis 15, 6, that God tells Abraham that he is going to be a blessing. He is going to be a blessing to the nation. But what did that mean? So I'll read to you. Here, listen to the words of Paul. Galatians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says, verse 6 through 9. Even so Abraham believed that God, he believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness when he believed. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. It's pretty amazing saying this, all the nations will be blessed in you. So what was God saying to Abraham thousands of years ago when he said that the nations will be blessed in you? He was talking about the gospel. Wow, that's what he meant. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer, in order, verse 14, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. The promise made to Abraham was fulfilled and is being fulfilled today as those who come to faith. So much so, Galatians 3.29 tells us, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promises. So what does that mean? That simply means this morning, if you have faith in Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ in here this morning, it means that all the promises of God are yours. See, the promises of God made in Scripture, they're not just this wide-open blanket promises to all of humanity. They're yours. And the promises of God 
our yes in Jesus Christ. Those who have Jesus, guess what? God's saying yes, yes to you. So what does that look like? I want you to hear this. I pray this encourages you this morning. When a sinful person meets the holy God in Jesus Christ, what he hears is yes. So when you say to God, God, do you love me? God says, yes. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change, God? He says, yes. Will you give me power to serve you? He says, yes. Will you keep me? He says, yes. Will you show me more of who you are, your glory? And God comes back and he says, yes. You see, all the promises of God, all the blessings of God in the heavenly places are yes in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, in God's decisive yes, he is God's decisive yes to all who believe. And so when you think of the many promises, and I want you to hear just a few, I'm gonna read them over you this morning. When God says in Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. When you hear that, know that God goes with you this week. When he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so when you lack wisdom this week, guess what? He gives you wisdom when you ask for it. He will give you wisdom. When you're down this week and you're in a place where you just feel like maybe you're not wanted or maybe you're not meeting everybody's expectations, I want you to hear this morning that God wants to meet with you. <laughs> he says in James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And lastly, when you feel like that maybe God's just not working, and you don't see it, and you're like, God, where are you? Here's what he tells us. Isaiah 43, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it, he asked. You know what God is saying is, you may not see it, you may not know it, but then he says, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. I'll make rivers in the desert. So you may not be able to see it. You may be at a place where you're like, God, I just don't know what you're doing. But God is doing something. So what does he want from us based on this promise? He wants us to trust. Trust in what you cannot see. We cannot always see what the hand of God is doing. Remember 400 years of silence? We can't always trust what he's doing, but we can trust that he's working all things for the good of those who love him. So this week, I pray the promises of God will fuel your hope. They will carry you this week. We're part of the story. He wants us to hold on to his promises and trust him. And as he as we do, guess what? He's gonna unfold his purposes, just like he did with Zacharias, just like he did with Elizabeth, just like he did with John. He's gonna unfold his purposes. He wants us just to trust his word and he will not fail us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. There are many of them. God, I, I pray 
that they will carry us this week. I pray there'll be fuel for our hope. That you will not leave us nor forsake us. When we see evil in our world and we're questioning, God, where's the good? (laughs) May we remember that you will take evil and you will bring about your good. You'll bring about redemption. I'm sure, Lord, in those seasons of silence, in those many years, the priests, as they would faithfully pray, maybe often wondered that their prayers that were being prayed, that maybe they would never be heard. So I can't imagine on that day when Zechariah has his prayer heard. What a great explanation for him to be able to say some nine months after that, or maybe even ten, to be able to say the sunrise will visit us. Wow. The silence was broken. And Lord, I, I pray that in those times of silence for us, that we would be able to cling to your promises, to know that you will be faithful. And so Lord, may we believe that. For here today, Lord, there may be some that have heard your word and they hear about this sunrise that's gonna visit. God, you're speaking of your son Jesus who came and died for us so that we could have life. That those who would believe in your son would be redeemed, would be saved, would have freedom from sin, from guilt, from the penalty of death, and have a relationship with you. God, that's a promise you made. And if we would believe, we will be saved. So Lord, I pray for those who are maybe here today that do not know you, that they would trust you, and that you are one who has promised eternal life to those who believe, and you will not fail us in that. We thank you for that.